This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if you're watching for the first time, and we want you to stay tuned as we discuss the prayer of an honorable man. The prayer of an honorable man. Today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course. And for the benefit of those who are watching today for the first time, we want to stop long enough that you'll learn more about the course and learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And I'm going to read two verses, verse 9 and verse 10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the name of the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Those two little verses are the only record that we have of the man by the name of Jabez. He is known only by the prayer he prayed. And the character of Jabez is revealed in these two verses. His name means he causes pain, or I bore him in pain. And it was given to him because of his mother's suffering at the time of his birth. Now, now the text says that Jabez was an honorable man. He was more honorable than his brother's. It's obvious to me that Jabez had a good reputation and also that he was a man who was highly respected. Jabez was a God-fearing man. In verse 10 it says, Jabez called on the God of Israel. So he was a God-fearing man. But not only was he a God-fearing man, but he was a praying man. Now, the, the situation of this particular text stands right in the midst of the genealogies. And when the writer comes to Jabez, he just stops short. And he takes us into this man's closet, and he tells us that a prayer that Jabez offered to God. We, like Jabez, ought to be people of prayer. 
In Luke 18 and 1, Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. So God wants us to be people of prayer. In the language of 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, verse 17, pray without ceasing. And then Philippians 4 and verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So we, like Jabez, ought to be known as people of prayer. But now let's look at his prayer. And the very first thing that he asked is this, Bless me indeed. He said, Lord, please bless me indeed. He didn't ask just for a blessing. He asked for a blessing indeed. There are many blessings that may not be blessings indeed. You see, the emphasis of indeed is the emphasis of importunity. It is thought that he was asking for the very best of God's blessings. God has blessed us indeed in so many ways. God has blessed us indeed materially. James 1.17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So God has blessed us materially. He has blessed us indeed. And God has blessed us indeed spiritually. Ephesians chapter 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So God has blessed us. And Jabez prayed, bless me indeed. There is a New Testament passage that makes this same distinction. In John chapter 8 and verse 31, Jesus said, if you continue in my, in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now it's one thing to be a disciple, or a follower, or a learner of Jesus Christ. It's quite another thing to be a disciple indeed. There were many disciples in the Lord's time, but there were few disciples indeed. For example, in John the 6th chapter and verse 66, the Bible says from that time many of his disciples turned back and walked no more with him. They were disciples, but they were not disciples indeed. You, are you a disciple indeed when it comes to daily Christian living? In the language of Acts 4.13, can people take knowledge of you that you have been with Jesus. You see, being a disciple indeed involves being a disciple every day of our life. In Luke 9 and 23, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It is a daily following to be a disciple indeed. Are you a disciple indeed? when it comes to a study 
of the Bible. In Acts chapter 17 and at verse 11, we read about those who were noble people. These were more noble than those of Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And so they were disciples indeed when it came to the study of the word of God. Are you a disciple indeed when it comes to the worship of God? David said in the long ago, I was glad when they said unto me, Come, let us go up unto the house of the Lord. And David was a disciple indeed when it came to the worship of God. And so should we be. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So there are disciples and there are disciples indeed. There are those that are blessed and there are those that are blessed indeed. And Jabez asked God, bless me indeed. But then he prayed, enlarge my territory or enlarge my coast. He may have had in mind some particular earthly possession that he had, and it would be through struggle that his coast or territory will be enlarged. Now God would prosper his endeavor for enlargement, either by work or by war. Now we need to be praying today for God to enlarge our territory. You know, in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, beginning at verse 11 down through about verse 13, Paul talked about his heart being enlarged. And we need to pray for the enlargement of our territory and the enlargement of our heart. We need to make room in our hearts today for God. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Do you love God with all of your heart today? We need to pray today that God would enlarge our coast. We need to make room in our hearts for people who have never heard about Jesus. In Acts chapter 16 and 9, there was a call that came from Macedonia. Come over into Macedonia and help us. There are people that are calling out today all over the world. They want people to come and to share the message of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. And it takes a heart in order to, that's enlarged to encompass the whole world in order to do that. Jabez not only asked the Lord to bless him indeed, he said, enlarge my coast. You know, so many of us live narrow, straightened lives. When I think of people like that, I think about what, Paul wrote in Philippians 2.21, For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. You see, so many people are living for themselves. They are lovers of themselves more than they are lovers of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. And the needs of other people are passed by. This is illustrated in the uh, story that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan in Luke the 10th chapter. Here was a man left by the side of the road, beaten, and he was bleeding and he was left half dead. And here comes a priest, he passes by. Here comes a Levite, he passes by. But here comes that Samaritan. 
And he stops and he helps the man. His heart was big enough, open enough, large enough to include this man who was left by the side of the road. But I repeat, many of us live very narrow lives, very straightened lives, very self-centered lives. And God is excluded from the thoughts and from the actions of people like that. In Romans, the first chapter, Paul wrote in verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they're without excuse. For when they knew him as God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see, God is excluded from the thoughts and from the actions of many people because they have no room for God. There are few personal conflicts in life that could not be resolved by the enlargement of our heart to include others. In the second chapter of the book of Philippians, Paul wrote beginning in verse 1, If there is therefore any exhortation in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any tender mercies and compassion, make full my joy that you be of the same love, being of the same mind, doing nothing through faction or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, listen to him now, each counting other better than himself. And each of you looking not only on his own things, but also on the things of others. One of the greatest things that we need to do is to expand our horizons beyond this world. Enlarge our coast. Help us to look beyond. We live in a world that is largely worldly-minded. What I mean by that, we're just attached to the things of this world, and rather than looking up to where we're headed, we look down to where we are. But in the third chapter, Colossians, Paul put it like this, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. You see, we need to catch a glimpse of eternity and what lies beyond this veil of tears. Enlarge my coast. Enlarge my territory. Well, when we read the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 4, there we learn that in that next life, there will be no pain. There will be no sorrow. There will be no tears. You see, it's going to be a better world. We need to lift up our eyes. We need to be praying, dear God, enlarge my coast. And then Jabez prayed that your hand might be with me. What do you suppose he meant when he said that your hand would be with me? 
There are some scriptural representations of the divine hand of God. For example, in chapter 102 of the book of Psalms, verse 25, God's hand is described as being a creative hand. In Job chapter 5 and in verse 18, the hand of God is referred to as being a hand of ownership. In Psalms 95 and verse 7, His hand is the hand of a bountiful giver. In Exodus chapter 32 and verse 11, it is the hand of one who delivers, uplifts, and upholds. In Job chapter 2 and verse 10, his is the hand of one who corrects and chastises. In Isaiah the 62nd chapter and verse number 3, it is the hand of one who exalts to honor. And then in Psalms, the 49th chapter and verse 18, God's hand is the hand that secures one to safety. But Jabez prayed that your hand might be with me. We need the hand of the Lord with us at all times. In Jesus, in Matthew 28 and 20 said, I am with you Always, we need the Lord's hand with us in times of worry and fear. First Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all of your care on him, for he cares for you. We need the Lord's hand with us in times of trial. Job did. Job was tried as likely none of us shall ever be. Job lost it all. Job lost all of his earthly goods. Job lost all of his children. Job lost his health. Well, one thing Job did not lose, and that was his integrity and his faith in God. Job said, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, we need the Lord's hand with us when we're being tested, when we're being tried. We need the Lord's hand with us in the days of our youth. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 9. And in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes in verse 1, Solomon says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. We need the hand of the Lord with us in the hour of departure. David prayed, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So Jabez prayed, that your hand, your hand would be with me. And then he prayed that God would keep him from evil. That's much like the model prayer of our Lord in Matthew chapter 6. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now let me make it clear. God does not tempt man with evil. James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God is not the tempter. Satan is the tempter. In Luke the 22nd chapter, verses 31 and 32, Jesus is addressing Simon Peter. And he said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you 
that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Satan was tempting Peter. It was the apostle Peter who later wrote in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We are kept from evil. God will keep us from evil. He will answer that prayer. We are kept from evil by hiding God's word in our hearts. In Psalms chapter 119 and verse 11, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And then we, well, in thinking about that, may, may we realize that God's word helps to prevent us from allowing bad, evil stuff to come into our heart. But then we are kept from evil by the maintenance of good thoughts. We not only must have the Word of God in our heart, we need to maintain good thoughts. Paul in Philippians 4 and 8 said, if there is any, uh, if any virtue, if, there, if there's any praise, think on these things. When he talks about things that were honorable, things that were just, things that were, that were uh, true. And he says you need to think on the best things and because whatever you think, you are. That's how we keep from evil. And then we need to resist evil. That's how we are kept from evil, by resistance. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, that if we resist Satan that Satan will flee. But we're also kept from evil by the grace of God. Paul had a problem. It was a thorn in the flesh. Don't ask me what it was because I don't know. I know this, it was painful. Paul said, There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet my body. And so it was a very painful thing. And three times... Paul prayed for its removal. But God's answer to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 was this, My grace is sufficient for thee. Jabez prayed, Lord, please Lord, keep me, keep me from evil. Well, what happened when Jabez prayed this prayer? Well, the Bible says, in verse 10, God granted him what he requested. In other words, God answered his prayer. Sometimes all that we need to do is to ask. You know, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. So Jabez had asked the Lord to, to bless him indeed to enlarge his territory, that his hand would be with him, that it would keep him from evil. And the Bible says God granted what he requested. We need to have confidence that when we ask God for something, that God's going to listen. And if we ask according to his will, he will hear us and he'll answer. 1 John 5 and 14 says this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, now there's the condition 
I don't believe we can pray something that would be totally foreign to the will of God and God uh, honor that prayer. But if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. There was a young couple in Los Angeles, California during World War II. And her husband worked miles away from the house and he would have to leave his wife and in, in, infant son alone at, at night. One night, the baby had some convulsions. They called several doctors, but no one would come. Finally, they called the police. Two minutes later, the police were there. Very calmly, they took the baby, carried the baby and his mother to the hospital, and there were ample doctors there. And soon the baby was out of trouble. What did all of that cost? Simply a call, just a call. And God just needs us to call upon him. God granted his request. And st God still grants the request of righteous people. First Peter 3 and 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. God will listen to righteous people. If a man turns his ear away from listening to God, there's no need for that man to think God is going to listen to him. Proverbs 28 and 9 says, And whoso turneth his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. But what we need to concern ourselves with is being in a position, spiritually speaking, so that we can call God Father and ask for the things that we need. And in order that you might call God Father, you need to be his child. And he wants you to be his child. And then you can pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. And in order that God would be your father and that you would be his child, you must be in God's family. And to be in God's family, you must be born into his family. Jesus said you must be born again. And Nicodemus asked how. Jesus said, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus explains in Mark 16, 16 what he means. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. To be in the family of God, you must obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then you can ask God in prayer and God will listen. God will answer. I want to thank you for watching today and in the closing moments I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community and also right now will you pick up the phone and call for the Bible course. I want to thank you for watching and until we meet again may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.